Today on Watching Your Wealth, the rich are selling stocks. What are they buying? This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Todd Morgan is the chairman and CEO of Bel Air Investment Advisors. Welcome, Todd. Good to be here. Thank you so much, Veronica. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to have you. Todd, so you work with many wealthy clients, including billionaires, and you said some are selling stocks these days. Tell us about that. Well, I will give you the national figures. Um, The billionaires seem to be remaining skeptical of the stock market. Mm. And the world's 2,400 billionaires are keeping approximately 22% of their total net worth in cash according to Wealth X Billionaire Census. Mm-hmm. And just in general, people have been selling stocks the last few years. Just to give you an idea, uh, it appears that approximately just in the past year, somewhere around $300 billion has fled out of actively managed accounts. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, $400 billion has flowed into passive Index funds. Mm, indexing is hot. And, you know, uh, uh, $171 billion came out in just the year 2015 alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. since 07 through 15, 2015, $817 billion has flowed out of domestic equity funds. Indeed. So, so it, what are their wealthy buying? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cash around that really surprised everyone because people are trying to figure out what to do with their money. And why do you think well, that cash is around? Is it is it because people are, are just cautious, still feeling uncertain about the global economy, domestic investors maybe uncertain about what's going to happen in November? How much of that's going on? I think it's all the above. Yeah. I think everything you said is part of the reason. People are uncertain um, what's going to happen with the presidential election, by the way, but I think recently they're more certain that Clinton's going to be the next president. But cash is built, built up because of uncertainty, unknowing what the future's going to be like, and some of the radical statements that have been said in this presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. So it makes people nervous. What do you do when you get nervous? You go to cash. So yeah. there's, there, there's a, a substantial, extraordinary amount of cash being held I think, by investors in general, not just billionaires, but millionaires, too, and maybe some of your um, um, non-millionaire people. Oh, yeah. And I think money, if you watch where the rich have been putting money, Mm -hmm. I think they've been buying more ETFs versus individual stocks or active managers than we've ever seen. And is that because it feels more diversified or or, um, less costly? Yes. So once again, you name the two things that I think are, are part of it. I think people um, uh, want to remain diversified, and they found that probably 75% of the active managers have underperformed the S&P on an annual basis. Let me throw this in, that our, our uh, internal manager that manages uh, money has beaten it by a couple hundred basis points a year, but that's that's rare. Hmm. That's very rare. So ETFs, and there's, you know, I don't know, thousands of different ETFs. If, if I'm wrong, there's many hundreds. Um, are a simpler way and a less costly way to do it because people are worried they're paying fees and getting poor performance. So 
that's one of the reasons people go to ETFs. Got it. And they don't have to worry about being too concentrated in their favorite names hmm. because that hasn't worked well for people lately. And I think it's another reason that a lot of the value-oriented um, small-cap, mid-cap managers have underperformed because a lot of money have gone to these ETFs that, that overweights the large-cap stocks. And if you look at the large-cap multinational companies that are a beneficiary of these ETFs, they have done better. Mm -hmm. and you know what the names are. You know the largest yep. companies. Indeed. They've outperformed. They have. And another area you said that the rich are, are looking at is they're scooping up more art. Tell us about that yes. one. Well, they, they're buying more art because, um, as it's been stated to me, um, people like the fact that they get the benefits of looking up at their walls and they get to see where their money's going versus just looking at a portfolio. Now, you know, art has gone up a fair amount in the um, past uh, few years, so people look at it more as an investment. I think it's a little bit dangerous. I think art is more for um, uh, en enjoyment and should not be considered so much of, 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 of um, an investment because uh, of several factors. But I think you have... Um, hidden fees, insurance, maintenance costs. Uh, in addition, when you sell a collectible like art, you know, you're taxed at a higher tax rate of 28%. Mm -hmm. And also the bid-ask, you know, when you go sell it at a auction house is pretty substantial. Yep, it is. It's a lot more than the stock market. Now, you know, over it's, the last mm -hmm. 10 years, just to give you a number, I've got a number here. Mm -hmm that since 2004 through 2013, the U.S. stock market index is up 7.3%, while all fine art is up about 7%. But that doesn't include all the extra fees that I just told you about. Indeed. So they've been about the same. People don't realize that. And art is so subjective, too. You know, we see these trends. You know, some art, obviously, a lot of art has staying power, but there's a fair amount of art, too, that is really subjective, and it depends on what's in that year or for a couple of years. Um, not to mention it's an illiquid asset. It's not exactly easy to unload. You can't just sell it at the no. at a whim. You have to really put a lot of effort and research into selling it. So that's something else to consider. Um, running out of time, but I want to quickly mention, um, you know, you said homes have are getting popular too. I mean, for a while, you know, that's been a long popular investment of the wealthy, buying multiple homes in multiple countries. Uh, but I would think, again, this has some liquidity issues. For sure. It appears that 79% of the ultra-high net worth individuals own at least two homes, and 53% own three or more. How's that for a large number, right? I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't fall into that category, surprisingly. You don't. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the, there's also, you might be interested to hear what the results have been, the returns. Yeah, Five-year annualized return from June 30th, 2011 through June 30th, 2016, the luxury home index delivered a 7.2% return almost 500 basis points below the S&P 500, which gave you 12% annualized return. Mm. Now, you know, that doesn't take into effect, you know, New York City, which has probably done a little better, yeah. and Los Angeles, where we are, um, has done, um, done better. But people think that the stock market hasn't given them good returns. 
Um, Gotta look at uh, history. And their homes have, like, you know, it's just like art. It's easy to buy and it's tough to sell. You better have the right location. You better have um, uh, 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 good exposure to international buyers in both regards. And then that's the question, you know. Uh, are the international buyers going to remain buying mm-hmm. art and buying homes with what's happening to currencies in Europe and, um, you know, Great Britain? Um, are you going to curtail yet that a lot of money has gone, in, in my opinion, to art and housing in this country mm-hmm. as a place to put your money to work and you get to own, you know, dollar-denominated uh, uh, purchases, yep, yep. which have worked out very well. For some, so what's the quick takeaway for U.S. investors? You know, invest in, you know, have faith in the long term of the stock market, and, and look at uh, investments like art and real estate more as a tactical part of your portfolio. Don't really think of them as a majority of your holdings or where you're going to be making your money. Well, I don't think um, I'm not convinced that art and homes are should be considered investments unless mm. you know you look over a long long period of time you should look at those more as hobbies or additions to a higher quality of life mm. what's interesting to note is um, you know the S&P has delivered nearly an 8% annualized return over the last 10 years not many other investments have and here's an interesting statistic for your listeners you know Year after year, people think of reasons not to invest in the market. But if you had a million dollars invested in the stock market or the S&P index at the beginning of 1934. Mm-hmm. How much would it be worth now? This would be worth $3.9 billion. What? Oh, man. I love it. Let's leave it there. That is that is a, a great thing to think about. I, I hope there's someone out there who's done that. <laughs> um, Todd, will you stick around and take our fun financial quiz? Sure. Great. You sure. stick around, too. Welcome to Money Beat. I am Paul Vigne. I've got three letters for you, folks. I'm going to just throw it out there. GDP. How dare you speak about the penny like that? You would think the government bond market should be the most boring thing on the planet. It's embarrassing. You have a flip phone and you have a Yahoo account. Those who are late do not get fruit cup. What percentage of millennials have done that? 130. No, percentage. Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for financial advisor Todd Morgan to take our fun financial quiz. Todd, you ready? Okay. All right, Todd, what's the best financial advice you ever received? Hmm. Uh, Invest for the long term Hmm. and plug your nose. (laughs) Couldn't do. Worst financial advice. Um, get out when things look the worst. Mm. Fill in the blank. Money can buy. Uh, comfort. Mm, money can't buy. Happiness. True. If you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? Invest it in large cap multinational blue chip stocks. I like it. Great fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Todd. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.